On the night of the vigil, Priya had heard that a tip had come in, so her and Ashley went to the police station to find out what the news was. With such little information coming forward up until this point, the family was hopeful to finally start getting some answers. So there were so many injuries on his body, and I, I was like, I didn't know what to do. So I made a decision right there, I'll find out what happened here. So I came out of there as a different person. I just couldn't believe, I mean, I just, there's no word still, there's no word still. The negligence and the disregard and the dignity they did not give him as a human being in that first autopsy still makes me cry. They did the first autopsy in the body bag. They didn't even remove him from the body bag. This is somebody's baby. This is somebody's child. Give him respect to clean him off and don't have his organs just laying there by his face dirty with mud on it. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, John and Gia. The evening of the 17th, there was a vigil. And we went to the vigil and Ash was like, I heard they got a tip at the police station. And I was like, where'd you hear that? She's like, oh, someone told me they heard it got a tip. So me and him go to the police station to say, hey, can we talk to someone? And they said, oh, they'll... Um, they don't have anything right now. But there were rumblings of something going on behind the scenes. This was Tuesday still. And when we came back to the hotel, all the media was there. They were trying to figure out where Praveen was found. They asked us and we had no idea. You know, it's like, is this wooded area? There is a parking lot of this uh, um uh, buffalo wild wings and then from the parking lot it's all the wooded area so we don't know where he was found from and people were just assuming you know he was found here he was found there so they interviewed us and all that and after we went back I told Priya I said you know I really want to know where he was found. Just call the detectives and tell them to come over and tell us where he was found. So she called them and they came by and they took us to the parking lot and they said, oh, we can't take you in. The terrain is so bad. You can't walk in there. So we'll just take you across and, you know, we can just kind of pinpoint. So they took us to a to a. St- spot and they said from here two football yards down that's where we found him and he said there's a creek you cannot walk through here Um, so we put flowers there and then that's when they they gave us this whole story of Praveen being drunk Um, you know he was not in his mental capacity and um, hypothermia hidden and he took his clothes off and he said, oh, Mrs. Varghese, uh, you know what happens when hypothermia hits and you are a nurse, uh, right? So they take the clothes off, they feel warm, they take the clothes off. So then Priya asked, was all his 
clothes accounted for and he said yes uh, his t-shirt was found under uh, under his leg his phone was nearby uh, his jean was jeans were pulled down one socks on he's like i can't remember whether he had socks on or off but they were accounted for and his shoes were accounted for um so you know that's a story they told us then then i asked uh, can you take us to the spot where pravin was found and then they said oh no it's too late it was like 4 o'clock and he said it's too dark in there um it's very hard to walk through there um you need an equipment to walk through there and then i'm thinking you need an equipment to walk through there and you are telling me my son walked through there in pitch dark yeah so i insisted i said please i want to go there i want to put a cross there that's the last thing i want to do before i leave carbondale but the 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 chaplain came to the help again you know and he said uh, he told the police he said um i can bring the um boots and stuff if you send a couple police officers who knows where the location is i will go with them so finally the deputy chief agreed so he said meet us in the parking lot so we went to the parking lot he bought boots and everything i never wore boots i i was in my shoes you know but the police that went in front he they had to cut some branches for us to walk through is the 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 terrain was so bad even even during daylight and the whole time i'm like this is not real you know you cannot tell me pravin walked through here at night so they took us i mean it was a good walk like 400 yards deep into the woods and they took us to a clear spot there's a crease on the side and so because of the crease you cannot walk straight from the parking lot you have to kind of walk around now they put a bridge there for us to walk when we go for the memorial but at that time they took us like a really far away through so we put a cross we prayed and we we left every step of the way the family seemed to be left with more and more questions with every answer came a slew of new mysteries How did Praveen supposedly run through this tough terrain on his own in the dark? And if he was able to run through it, why didn't he also run out of there? Why didn't he use his cell phone to call for help? On February 19th, one day after Praveen's body was found, an autopsy was done at the Memorial Hospital of Carbondale. Dr. James Jacoby, the pathologist, listed these seven things under the section titled final diagnosis 1 evidence of environmental hypothermia 2 negative blood and urine toxicology 3 mild postmortem changes 4 absence of significant trauma 5 superficial abrasions 2 left hand 6 multiple abrasions upper extremities and anterior torso consistent with being found in a wooded area and the last item on the list number 7 simply just had the word tattoo the opinion dr jacoby wrote in the autopsy stated this 
Death in this 19-year-old man is attributed to environmental hypothermia, history of being found dead in a wooded area with removed clothing. Toxicology findings are negative, including studies for synthetic cannabinoids and bath salts. Only minor superficial abrasions are present. It's very clear by simply looking at the report alone how little care was taken in conducting Praveen's autopsy. First of all, Praveen's name is written incorrectly on the report. It says Pravel, P-R-A-V-E-L, Varghese, not Praveen. One of the documents, Praveen is listed as a female, not a male. And when such little care is taken on getting the details right on something so important that carries so much weight, how can we trust anything else written on that autopsy report? Wednesday, they did the autopsy. By noon, uh, the coroner, Dr. Kofer, called me and he gave me the same story about this hypothermia, nothing else. Um, and he said, we have to wait on the toxicology. Uh, the report is Praveen was drunk. So we have to wait for the reports to come in. And I said, how long does it take? And he said, uh, four, to, four to six weeks. And I said, how can we get the report? And he said, oh, you have to file FOIA. That's the first time I'm hearing what for, you know, FOIA. So all this I'm beginning to hit with things that I don't even know. So I said, what is FOIA? And he said, oh, you have to request for the records. Um, you need to um, be guided by a lawyer to get all that. So I said, okay. And then I asked him, I said, what was on his forehead? And he said, oh, that was just some postmortem scratches probably him running through the woods, nothing major. There was no injury. That was, that was his side. So in the evening, we met with the police team, the deputy police chief and the detectives that was on the case. And they, they said the same story, you know. So this story was fed into our head. The Praveen went to a party, got drunk, uh, got a ride with a, a friend, had a fight, ran into woods because he was so drunk, he didn't know where he was going and died of hypothermia. You will hear Lovely mention Dr. Margolis as she speaks about Praveen's autopsy. That is because the family had a second autopsy done at a later date after Dr. Jacoby's initial autopsy left so many unanswered questions and what seemed to be outright errors. Talking about the autopsy, you know, it's still pretty much upsetting to me. When Monica saw the pictures, she asked me, you know, um, Carbondale autopsy. Margolis autopsy pictures, it's like a sterilized environment. It's just like how you do a perfect surgery. That's how it should be. But Carbondale autopsy, Monica called me, she never saw that, this, you know, she's like, oh, so they do the autopsy in body bag? I'm like, what? You know, and she said, yeah, they did the autopsy in body bag. I'm like, are you kidding me? So there is a nurse there that used to work with uh, Dr. Kufer. She was the assistant coroner there and she's a nurse. And I 
and she's all so into Praveen's case. You know, she comes with us for everything. So I called Tama and I said, Tama, go to Monica's house and take a look at those autopsy pictures and see if Praveen's autopsy was done in a body bag. And she did. Yes, it was. And out of all this, that infuriated me the most. You know, my son was treated with zero dignity. That's why I believe the pathologist never entered the room. He probably had a technician open and close him. You know, I know how these doctors work. Some of them are very diligent and some are not. So this is another case for him, you know. So he probably just sat in the other room had a technician go because when Praveen came and he had dirt all over him they did not even clean him up you know and how did they do an autopsy it has to be a sterilized procedure but they did they did not do that they did they they in the report they called him a female in many few places and it, it's just so upsetting Lovely and her family left Carbondale and started the preparations for Praveen's funeral back at home. Thursday morning, um, we went to the funeral home. And I, I thought Praveen was already at the funeral home. But when we met with, the, um, with Mark, Mark, Mark Rizzo is the name, his direct, the director of the funeral home. We were looking at the caskets and that's when he came in and he said that we are waiting for them to bring Praveen. So he was not here yet. Um, so we were just talking to him. He was asking us what happened and all that. So we told them the story that the police told us. And and then the, the secretary came and whispered something in his ear. He went out and he came back and he said, um, you know, they brought Praveen. And he, he said, um, lovely, you are a nurse, right? I said, yes. And he goes, honey, you better see him. This is not a frostbitten body. He has injuries. I was like, oh my God. You know, you have that doubt in your head, but to hear from somebody. And then my husband is like, oh, no, no, I don't. You know, he was so devastated. He didn't want to see him. But I said, no, we need to see him. There is something wrong here. Something is wrong. So even before that, when we before we left Carbondale, there were two Indian doctors there. They all came to uh, talk to us. They were retired, but you know, from Kerala, originally from Kerala. So they were bringing us food and forcing us to eat, and they were there every day. So one of them worked in this memorial hospital. One was a pathologist, worked with Dr. Kufer. So, and Dr. Patma, her name is. And the other doctor, um, there was a man also. And we asked him first, and I said, do you think we should do a second autopsy? And he's like, oh, no, there is no reason, you know, there is no doctor is going to lie to you. You know, there is no way you don't need to do one. They do a thorough job here. Then I asked Dr. Patma when she came around. She worked with Dr. Kofer. And she said, lovely, if you have any doubts, it's not a bad idea to do it. So then, you know, that was in my head. And then he's telling me, 
um, the funeral home director. So I grabbed my husband and he's like, only both of us, I don't want anybody else to see Praveen like that. He was more into like, you know, he didn't, his kid, he didn't want anybody to see him, things like that. So um, we went and he took us in and he said, uh, spend as much as time as you want with him. And he, he also said, pay close attention to his right arm. And he took the sheet off, you know, seeing your grown child, it's just awful. He was beaten up from head to toe. And I could see the dents in his forehead. If he did not tell me about the right arm, I probably would not have really paid attention because it was still red. It did not turn dark yet. So Praveen was really fair. So that with the color, you could not really see it. But Mark, you know, he sees how many bodies. So he, he saw that. And then that's the injury that went into the bone, you know, with the autopsy. And then he had bruise on his thigh, blood in his nose. He, he had cut here, um, lips were cut. He had a little bit dark toe and I thought maybe that was uh, frostbite, but in the second autopsy there, it was not uh, frostbite. It was somebody's, you know, like stamped on his feet. That, that, that was it. So there were so many injuries on his body. And I, I was like, I didn't know what to do. So I made a decision right there. I'll find out what happened here. So I came out of there as a different person. And I came out and I asked uh, Mark, I said, you know, for everything, until then, Everything I did, I always asked my husband. I did not do anything without asking him. But from then on, everything I did for Praveen was from my gut, you know. And I said, how can we do a second autopsy? See, in my mind, the, here the second autopsy is done in Cook you know, the county hospital. You know, in county hospital here, they... they they keep the body forever and they store the body and like they just dump them there. I was under that impression and he's like, no, we can do the autopsy here in the funeral home. So he gave us names of couple doctors and we called one doctor, she couldn't do it. And then we called Dr. Margolis. Um, it went to his voicemail. Uh, so it was actually Mark that left the voicemail that there is a family that's interested. Um, and then he called Mark back and he, he told him that he was booked for Friday. 
and then mark suggested that you know we had the funeral with a wake service planned for friday and funeral saturday so uh, mark said you know if dr margolis cannot do the autopsy in the morning why don't we uh, do his service in the church and then we'll bring him back here and saturday and we can do the autopsy and we will go bury him and i was like oh no there is no way I said we have some rituals that we do in the cemetery. I said I cannot leave my son in the funeral home and go home. You know, I said if Dr. Margolis cannot do this it's not God's plan. I will assume that you know God does not want us to do this. So I we left 9:00 at night Thursday night the phone rings it's Dr. Margolis. he had a case in indiana that got canceled friday morning you said i can do your son i was like my god thank god mm-hmm. so that's why i i feel like you know the god's ways were there through it so friday morning we went and met with him he took the history we told him the same story the police told us so he he said uh, i would need a little bit more time so you might have to push the the wake was supposed to start at 4 o'clock but he said i won't be done by 4 so you need to push it a little further down we said okay so we did not let that news out that dr margolis was doing the autopsy uh we went to the church the church was packed it was freezing cold here the expressway was jammed lining up people were in line 2 hours in the snow to get into church to see him usually when our prayer goes on they don't let anybody see the body there was no viewing but every every law was broken for praying people were just flowing i had no idea and we had an open casket you know so they brought when they brought him in the church was packed the whole church stood up the scream for for many years i mean even now when i'm in the church the i hear that scream in my ears you know like the whole church was screaming they opened up you could see the thing here they patched up pretty good but you could still see the bruise on his forehead they covered up the dents and everything and saturday the wake service went by um i mean the funeral service there was media they all came and my thing my brother talked to them and he told them we have doubts there is something happened here and monday monday morning dr margolis called us for a, a preliminary meeting and he told us he suspect somebody did this to him it's not a self inflicted injury and he said this on the forehead looks like knuckles and the one on the arm it's pretty deep into the bone and the one on the thigh is very deep into the muscle and many other injuries and he said he has to wait for the pathology report to see how deep it went um and then he said he took blood 
uh, to check for um, alcohol and drugs and he did not get enough urine it's because the first pathologist took it but he said i was so surprised that they did not touch his vitreous fluid he said vitreous is the most accurate one for drugs and alcohol but they did not touch it so he had ample um supply so he he did it so he's like when i get the result i'll be able to tell you whether there was any anything any alcohol or urine um so he said his report will take a month um but the the um alcohol and drug report will be sooner we left so i was it was kind of you know like a proof for me that my eyes didn't lie The second autopsy performed by an independent forensic pathologist, Dr. Ben Margolis, reported multiple significant injuries to Praveen's face, four different blows to the face and head, which could not have been caused by a single impact. Dr. Margolis also reported that Praveen's body showed an injury to his forearm, his left thigh, bruises below his knees, and multiple scratch marks. Oddly, the initial autopsy by Dr. Jacobi had not indicated any blunt force injuries, even though Praveen's injuries were very apparent to the naked eye. And in the second autopsy, Dr. Margolis noted an extensive list of injuries. Dr. Margolis's autopsy report is very detailed, 22 pages long, and the list of injuries is too long to read in its entirety. His analysis includes a list of 32 points, some of which state this: Number 1. There were at least 3 blunt force injuries to the face. Number 3. The right forehead abraded contusion is compatible with two knuckles impacting in a grazing blow to the head. Number 4. The central forehead bruise is compatible with a direct punch, although other mechanisms of blunt force trauma cannot be excluded. Number 6. The bloody nose is compatible with blunt force trauma to the nose. Number 8. The right arm injury is compatible with a defensive wound. Number 16. The presence of multiple injuries to the face and the position of the defensive wound are compatible with the decedent protecting himself from multiple blows to the head. And lastly, number 26. The patient did not have any signs of frostbite. It goes on to list several injuries as being compatible with punch marks, even determining that some injuries took place at an earlier time than others. It's very clear that Praveen had been beaten up and hurt very badly before being left out in the cold in a secluded area. Lovely told me what she saw and I believed her. I hadn't seen any autopsy images yet, 
the first autopsy comes out, post-mortem discoloration on the head, no injuries, didn't have a toxicology level of anything, but he was drunk. And I was like, lovely. She's like, uh uh-uh. And once again, because I was on that rampage to tell her to get a second autopsy and by the grace of God, they got it. Then it was like, we found 24 different injuries. He has blunt force trauma to the head. There's no anything. And Dr. Margolis, I mean, he did such a great job. He literally incised every bruise. And you could see to the bone, these bruises were to the bone, the one on his forearm, this on his head, his nose was busted, his lip was busted. Um, He got the vitreous fluid and even got to do toxicology from the vitreous fluid, which the first doctor did not. It was insane. It just was absolutely insane. I just couldn't believe, I mean, I just, there's no word still. There's no word still. The negligence and the disregard and the dignity they did not give him as a human being in that first autopsy still makes me cry. They did the first autopsy in the body bag. They didn't even remove him from the body bag. This is somebody's baby. This is somebody's child. Give him respect to clean him off and don't have his organs just laying there by his face dirty with mud on it, you unimaginable bastards. And then Dr. Margolis was just so thorough. But then once you saw once we when we got the records everything started making sense and then we really were validated because for a long time i was going around telling the whole world he was injured and i hadn't seen the injuries but i was just trusting lovely that i wouldn't have to eat crow and when i finally did see the autopsy images for the first time i didn't sleep for two days i was i was shook i was shook Praveen's funeral was held on Saturday, February 22nd, 2014, where his loved ones gathered to pay their respects. This is a church that Praveen grew up. Everywhere I look, I see him. It's just so hard. I see him in the choir. The kids were singing. You know, I keep picturing him there. And I, even though I talk, I cannot imagine this is happening, but here we are. This is the letter Lovely and Matthew wrote to Praveen at his funeral. Our dearest Vava, every time we came into your room, we had something to tell you. We never thought we would be sitting in your room without you searching for words to tell you. Every minute we are waiting to hear your voice for a phone call or your loud footsteps on the stairs. We cannot believe that you are no longer with us. You are one of a kind. From the day you were born, you have been a joy to us. You could not be angry at anyone for long, even us. Regardless of what we said to you, within five minutes, you would come down, stand by the kitchen counter and make musical rhythms on the counter with your hands with that smile. After you went to college, There was not a day you did not call us until you no longer could. We know you lived with your life motto, YOLO. How many times have we heard that? You talked nonstop and we know how loving you were. Even though people may think we are unfortunate parents, we feel very fortunate to have you as our beloved son. You always wanted to sit in between us during family prayer and we remember you pushing Preeti saying, I am the one to sit here. 
that space will always be there for you. You are the light of our home. We have given you everything possible in this world. Our love for you will never end. You cheered up everyone around you. Everyone you met has a story about you. We cannot believe you managed we cannot believe you managed to make this many friends in only 19 short years. It gives us such comfort you took holy communion and we know you are with Jesus on that beautiful shore. So until we meet again good night wawaji we will see you soon kanna umma love you forever daddy and mummy and lovely what the words at the end <laughs> what does what does that mean wawaji you know it's like a pet name you know we call him wawa uh, like baby so it's like i call him wawaji you know kanna is also like precious baby it's all that like pet names um and praveen used to say you know like i think he loved to hear me calling him kanna you know that kanna means like my eyes precious you know my my precious baby it's my eyes you know that's a meaning of that and then you know i i called him that and even when he was little i think there is a video floating around somewhere on yeah, on youtube that says like him and priya running in the front yard and then i'm asking him what's your name and he he's like kanna you know like he he loved to hear that that i call him that Then Lovely's family learned that a tip had in fact come in the night of Praveen's vigil, but the police hadn't shared the details of that tip with the family. They were only learning bits and pieces of what was going on. You know, there were rumors. Um people were saying there is a tip, there is a tip, but we that the day of the vigil in the evening, people were saying there is a tip, but we nobody told us. there was no official thing i think the kids heard from other kids and stuff like that but we did not hear anything about the tip until the the day provin was found that morning when the dean came in she is the one who told us that there is a tip and they are going to uh, follow up there's a new new tip and the police is going to follow up on it um but the previous evening maybe priya and all heard it from you know priya and ashley and all heard it uh, from so many people you know there were rumors all the time but nobody told us that tip came in from a guy who said he had seen praveen the night he went missing they said the tipster said somebody he saw somebody drive your son 